Welcome to the Andy Social Podcast. My name is Andy, and this week's episode is the fourth and last episode that was recorded up in Brisbane several weeks ago. If you haven't caught up yet, I'll let you in, I'll fill you in on those last few episodes. So I've had Dr. Steve Salisbury, who's a paleontologist over at the University of Queensland. He's a bit of a dinosaur hunter. So if you're a dinosaur fan, do yourself a favor and check that out. I've also had Tim Price, who's a music publicist, runs Collision Course, uh, which is a band PR management company, and has just released a new music app called The Faction, which is like a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, heavy music, digital app. And there's uh, it's not just for streaming music. There's offers and special uh, deals and whatnot on there. It's a pretty cool app, so make sure you check that out. And last week, I had Rodney Holder, who is a music business coach. He hosts the Music Business Facts podcast, which I highly recommend checking out, especially if you're fascinated with the music industry or you are about to dip your toe into it. Uh, And he's also the former drummer of legendary Australian metal band Alchemist. So that was a really cool chat as well. So three really cool guests, all recorded up in Brisbane. And this week is the last one that I've recorded up there. So this is a bit of a left left field one for me. I haven't, I never thought I'd actually uh, get the chance to speak to somebody of this caliber. But yes, I'm getting to it. This week's episode is with Leroy Loggins. Leapin' Leroy Loggins. Amazing. Who would have thought? Uh, so if you're not aware of Leroy, Leroy is an Australian basketball legend. Uh, I think the second highest scorer in Australian basketball history for the NBL, National Basketball League. He's got a whole bunch of accolades over the years. Uh, if you are a basketball fan, you'll already know who Leroy is. For me growing up, uh, I got to see a bunch of Brisbane Bullet games. I think the first game I ever saw was against the Bullets and Sydney Kings at the old Boondle Entertainment Centre in Brisbane. I don't know how old I was there, but, um... I was a wee lad, and um, we, for whatever reason, we were privileged. Privileged. We were lucky enough to uh, go into the uh, members' bar after the game, and we got to meet uh, all of the Bullets and some of the Kings uh, players as well. So we got a whole bunch of stuff signed, and and um, I think this is before the days of disposable cameras. So I don't think I got any photos, but. Um, certainly got some signatures, including Leroy's then. So who would have thought all those years later I'd be able to sit down and have a chat to Leroy? If you aren't aware of Leroy's history, I'll give you a few of his career highlights. So he's an 11 times MVP uh, winner uh, through the Brisbane Bullets. He's a four-time National Basketball League MVP, two-time Defensive Player of the Year through the NBL, three-time NBL champion. Um, He's been the captain for the Brisbane Bullets since 1990, right up until when he retired in 2001. Uh, he actually played in the 92 Olympic Games in Barcelona, which we talk about in this episode. He's been in a hell of a lot of all-star teams in the NBL. Um, he's in the Australian Basketball Hall of Fame, inducted in 2006, and his jersey, number 30, is retired um, with the Brisbane Bullets as well. So um, he's he's done a lot since uh, coming to Australia uh, way back when. So we cover all this. Um, I sat down with Leroy a few weeks ago and we got chatting and um, it was so surreal for me to be able to sit in in front of such an amazing person and somebody that I looked up to when I was a kid. And uh, we, talk, we talked about his beginning beginnings growing up in Baltimore. Um, if you've ever seen HBO's The Wire, think that. Um, and Leroy confirms it. So there's a lot of stories of him growing up and some of the hardships that he had to go through and, and basketball being his um, his outlet, his way out, and uh, going through the motions to get through that uh, that challenging part of his life and then moving to Australia and then starting a whole new life here and uh, really sort of blossoming into this amazing basketball player with such a great history. 
We talk about what he does these days. He's got a, a community organization. He's a part of a, a foundation that he goes out and uh, teaches uh, and provides support and inspiration to Australia's Indigenous population. So he's really sort of taken um, himself back to his roots of uh, some of the hardships that he's had to go through growing up in the United States and trying to uh, inspire and, and provide hope for some of our more disadvantaged people here in Australia. So Leroy is still very active in the community, does a hell of a lot, and uh, we talk about quite a bit of that in this episode. So let's get into it. So please enjoy this episode with Leroy Lennox. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Max. Yeah. It's a great Great morning to be here, mate. That's cool. Um, I've got heaps of things to ask you, but I won't keep you for too long. That's okay. Um, you just got back from the Northern Territory? Yeah, Alice Springs. Uh, went up there with the Narendara Health Services. Okay. And we went to some remote areas uh, outside of Alice Springs. So yeah. it was really a, an eye-opener for me, yeah. but also a great opportunity to meet some 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 lovely kids. So were you doing um, some sort of like mentoring or coaching or training or? Well, we were uh, delivering a, a say no to smoking campaign, okay. uh, tackling tobacco. Uh, you know, uh, some of those kids up there, man, they get tobacco leaves and and put it in their mouths and oh, chew okay. it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were just trying to deliver that message, but. I personally didn't deliver that message, but I engaged the kids in the basketball. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. You know, we had to get them to us some kind of That's way right. to deliver that <laughs> message. So we, we, we did some basketball uh, activities, and then at night we would have a disco for the kids in which we reiterated that no smoking message yeah. that we were up there to yeah. deliver. So I met some really good kids, man. Yeah. Uh, some of those kids actually touched my heart, man. Yeah. So It's... um. It's weird because most of us that live on the coast, we mm. just never even know. Mm. I mean, we, we know of our indigenous population, but we don't really understand how they live and the challenges that they've got. Mm. So, I mean, you seeing it firsthand. Well, because I'm married to an Aboriginal woman, yep. you know, a Bunjalung mob down just outside of Grafton, oh, right. uh, a place okay. called Bayugu, and her father's an elder, elder man down in Sydney, Gadical mob. So, wow. uh, for me... It's something I wanted to, you know, always get back to kids and less fortunate kids. And yeah. for me, I wanted to do a similar thing back in America, but because I'm, you know, I'm tied down here <laughs> and I have, you know, Australian citizenship now yeah. and I'm married to an Aboriginal woman, we have two beautiful kids. So I thought, why not do it here and try to touch as many, you know, less fortunate kids as I can. You mentioned before that you've been married for 29 years. Yes. So have you been sort of involved in this aspect for around that time, or has it been more so since you left playing basketball that you sort of well, dive into I, it more? Well, I was kind of doing it when I was still playing. You yeah. know, I would volunteer my time to certain charities and causes, but I just focused a little bit more when I, when I stopped playing basketball. It gave me more time to be able yeah, to sit down and function, uh, focus and, and structure a program to give something back to the kids. Yeah. And that, that's through the foundation that you created? Well, my Leroy Loggins Community Organization. Yep. Yes. Uh, I guess when you sit around and you're unemployed, you, 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 you find <laughs> something to do, you know. I, I sat in the house for, for almost two years just going through depression. And yeah. my wife said to me, she said, you need to start being active. Something's not right. So when you when you finish with the bullets, yes. just... 
coming off that high or just that I guess because there's so much time invested into playing basketball. And 19 years for the Bullets, but unfortunately for me, I went out the, the opposite way. I didn't get carried off the field or, you know, get a, get a chance to say thank you to the, th- the fans on the night that I retired because they actually retired me. Right. But the last game I did play, I remember very vividly because a friend of mine's son had a brain tumor and he passed away, and I didn't want to... Uh, sound like I was, you know, bragging or yeah. I'm cocky or anything. So what I did was wrote his initials on my shoes as evidence when I finished that game, yeah. which I had 35 points against the Melbourne Tigers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was my last game. Wow. So you didn't really get the, the exit that you're probably hoping for. Well, I wasn't hoping for anything, really. Right. I just wanted to play basketball and whatever became of that became of that. So mm. unfortunately for me, I didn't have the big send-off, you right. know, but eventually they came back and said, oh, we want to, you know, uh, give you a testimonial or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. But I'm a tough boy. You I, could, I can handle it. How much longer do you reckon you could have kept playing after around that time? Cause that's At least another two or three years, I yeah. believe I could have, because I was still in good shape, yeah. you know. So, But unfortunately, there was a bit of animosity towards myself. So, yeah. hey, that's life, man. Yeah. But um, so when you did, when it did stop, and then you're at home, and suddenly you've yes. got all this extra time. Yeah. When you said before about sort of just being depressed for that period of time, just trying to work out what do I do? Yeah. Well, the first day that you know, the next morning it, after they let me go, and I woke up, I just felt this huge release of pressure off my shoulders. Man, I yeah. just said, "Oh my goodness, it just feels so good not to have to." go through that thought process and that training process yeah. to be prepared to go to war the next day so <laughs> yeah. not not doing that you know it kind of gave me an opportunity to to really sit back and, and, and reflect on my career and where I wanted to go next so what I did was looked around and I started volunteering with a local church to go into schools and, okay. and feed kids before yeah. school so cool. Cool. that's basically what gave me that confidence to to even go into that field of work? Yeah, well, so and then it just it just sort of took off from there. Uh, boom, after. boom from there. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, be a service provider for the federal government for the past fourteen oh, right. years. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they so, keep you busy. Uh, it keeps me busy, <laughs> and it also keeps me uh, focused. It keeps me young. Yeah. It keeps me energized, yeah. and it keeps my brain ticking over because. Yeah. I go into school and I work with these kids. I have to deliver them a message to empower them and, and build self-esteem and confidence so they can do something with their lives. Mm. I, had a, I grew up in a similar environment that a lot of these kids grow up in, so I got the first-hand experience, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, for me, I grew up here in Brisbane, and yeah. I had a, pretty, had a pretty cushioning life. I was, yeah. I was, I was pretty lucky, but um, I read a bit of background from you. I think you... You were born in New Jersey? I was born in New Jersey, and from all reports, I think my mom and them said they, we hopped a train, they got on the train with us and moved down to Baltimore to yep. my grandmother's house. Right. And then that's when my, my journey started for me. I actually lived in North Baltimore for a little bit, and then my family moved down to a place called Cherry Hill in South Baltimore. And yep. just to give you a little uh, insight on Cherry Hill back mm. in the day, if you try to get a taxi from downtown to Charlie Hill, as soon as you said Charlie Hill, they said, nope, nah, not going. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. So, it, I mean, 
from what I've read online, it seemed to be a pretty rough place, and you just alluded to that. What, what was it like growing up in that area? Uh, it, was, it was fun, yeah. but also it was, it was uh, dangerous, yeah. you know, because I've had many incidents where I've seen things happen to people. I've seen people shot, stabbed, robbed, uh, you name it, man. I grew up in a household of domestic violence. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a, a a place that you wish you could wave a magic wand and everything could be okay. But yeah. unfortunately, there's a system in place yeah. that doesn't allow people, uh, especially Afro-American people, to to survive. Really, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a real hard slug. It's um, I kind of can't even begin to imagine what it'd be like. Well, it's it's tough, man. Just one uh, incident off the bat a few years ago I went home me and a friend of mine we go to a, a store and on the way to the store it's nighttime mm. there's a guy on the ground he'd been stabbed like maybe 10 11 oh, times right. wow. and he's bleeding and his blood gushing out of his leg and he's going help me help me everyone's walking by so me the good Samaritan that I am you know, I take my scarf off. It was yeah. winter, and I tied around his leg and try to make a tourniquet. And uh, and then and then uh, the big bird in the sky is flying around. And next thing, the yeah. police is coming. And uh, I'm I'm there. Me and my friend and my friend, he would always carry a gun. Yeah. You know, so this guy that's on the ground, his sister's screaming, "Who did this to my brother?" And I'm going, "Oh, oh no, no here we go." Cause, no. My friend would, you know, he shoots you just as good as he's looking at you. No. <laughs> Only if you, you went at him. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah, yeah. so I'm in this situation. I got blood all over me. I left uh, the scarf. I said, let's go. I catch the plane back to Australia the next day, and I see on the news this guy passed away. Really? So yeah. that's just one incident. You know, we've had another incident where a guy was stabbed a lot, fell through our kitchen window and fell on the ground and died. Some guy was in my mom's bedroom, tried to rape my mom one night. Ugh. We we ran outside with our baseball bats. He jumped out the window. We couldn't catch him. So, mm. you know, I've seen a lot of negative things, man. I, I have three sisters and one brother. I'm the middle child. I'm yeah. the golden child. I'm yeah. the one that's never going to be anything, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, my, my youngest sister was stuck up twice. My sister under me, which who was a high school yeah. All-American, was stuck up twice. My brother was stuck up twice, and he got stabbed up the second time. He wow. survived. So, you know, it's 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 not a pretty place. I think at the moment Baltimore is <clears throat> tied or or going to surpass the homicide rate in the city, which is just out of control. I think it's up to almost 200 now, and we're only halfway through the year. Yeah, well, I think so. uh, I think there's a TV show, a TV series, The Wire. The Wire. And that's based, I think that's based in Baltimore? Yes, it is. I mean, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I it's, love watching it because it, <laughs> it takes me home. So it's pretty you know? realistic as far as some of the oh, stuff? Oh, yeah, that, it's yeah. pretty realistic, man. Yeah. It, no one didn't just sit down and go, I'm going to dream up a story of, the, yeah. of Baltimore, you know? That <laughs> <laughs> stuff really goes on. Wow, yeah. And, oh, and, my wife and, will be impressed with that because she loves The Wire. Yeah, but, so. you know, yeah. The Wire, I'm great, it's on TV. Yeah. But The Real Wire is when you got to live there and, and see all day. the stuff that goes on, man. It's, it's just crazy. And, 
And like I was mentioning to you before, I started asking questions when I was 11 years old. Yeah. Why am I here? I got to get out of here some kind of way. And I think because I started asking questions, that gave me a, 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 an ambition and a dream to, to get out of there. Open your mind up a bit. Open my mind, but yeah. it wasn't easy. Yeah. It wasn't easy. It was so easy. was it basketball that gave you those opportunities initially to sort of start playing... Sort yes. of through high school and progressing yes. from there? Well, not so much high school because I couldn't make my high school basketball team. Well. <laughs> I, and when I did in year 12, I played two games and quit because I didn't like the coach. Yeah, right. it's, it's kind of a funny story because when I played in the summer league and in my community, yeah. I was one of our best players from Cherry Hill. Okay. Yeah. But all of my teammates decided to go to Southern High School, which is maybe 15 minutes from where we live. Yeah. My brother and sister went to Forest Park, which was 45 minutes from where we oh, lived. Right. I didn't know any better. <laughs> I went to Forest Park. You know, and these guys I played with, they went to Southern High School. They were number one in the state. Oh, right. So, you know, I'm going, uh, maybe it's just, you know, my luck that I'm over here, bad decision. But that kind of made me determined to, to, to really work hard because yeah. these guys... When they got out of high school, they were all getting scholarships. And I was very fortunate enough that the junior college coach that I played for, uh, Jerry Phipps, he was also a referee on the side. And he had refereed one of our games. And I said, uh, I found out he was a coach. I said, "Uh, can I come play for you? And he was like, oh, you got to do a whole lot more than what you did in this game. And I thought, okay. So I enrolled in, in junior college. But... No one in my family had ever gone to college. So yeah. once again, uh, you know, I'm trying to break this cycle, yeah. man. I'm, I'm going to JUCO, you know, and I had no guidance. So, of course, when I applied for my classes, I was sitting in class from 3 o'clock to like 8 o'clock at night. Basketball practice starts at 3. Okay, yeah. So uh, I thought somebody got the schedule wrong, so I threw my books in the garbage I didn't withdraw my classes so they put F's on my transcript which stopped me from going to a D1 school and uh, that's when my journey began back on the streets hanging out wow far out but they they said man why are you throwing your life away you got so much talent you need to go back to school and, and, and try at least give it a try and you know, I was hanging on the street, smoking, drinking, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out with some bad people, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got back in school, and every term I think I would flunk yeah. because I didn't apply myself. It wasn't that I was illiterate. I just didn't. I just wanted to play basketball 24 yeah. hours a day, <laughs> man. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, I started performing at a, my first game, actually. I think I had 44 points. Yeah, Not my bad. first junior college game. <laughs> so I was on my way, but like I said, because I didn't apply myself, I would f- I would flunk out the term. But thank goodness they believed in me and they kept giving me a second yeah. chance. Yeah, I mean, obviously, experiencing it like that, as you said before, it probably makes you more determined to to work harder than. And if you if you made that decision, you went to that other school. Yes, you might not have worked as hard because you're with other people that are probably excelling. That's right. Yeah. I, I think I would have worked hard. And uh, but you know it's just the way to you just don't know the, the way the cards were dealt yeah. to me. So That's right. I'm not going to throw my hand in. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And 
not only that, my sister was playing high school basketball right, at, the okay. moment, at that time, and she was averaging 38 points and like eight, re- nine rebounds or something like that and like eight assists. <laughs> she was like one of the top high school players in America. Wow. Yes, but unfortunately for her, she ended up a heroin addict. So, all right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we all have our roads that we go down and our choices that we make. And, you know, thank goodness for me, I was able to escape that community and escape America as well and get to a place <laughs> like, like Australia, man. Well, just before you got to Australia, and correct me if I'm wrong as far as timelines, because there's lots that happens in between, but you did get drafted. Yeah, well, how did that all Well, come what about? happened for me, because... I was playing junior college basketball. I played a half a season and yeah. made first team all JUCO. So you, back in that day, a lot of Division One schools were taking the, the guys for two years. Yeah, and well. I remember Dean Smith used to write to me like every once a month or every two weeks. And, you know, I was very, very fortunate enough that I had uh, this coach, coaching staff from Fairmont, West Virginia, a small little NAIA yeah. school. <laughs> in West Virginia to, to offer me a scholar, full-ride scholarship to go there. I had scholarships all across America. Really? But because I threw my books in the garbage that one time and didn't withdraw my classes, mm. that was a big, big hit for me. But there was another guy by the name of Joe Riley, uh, a white guy that was uh, in the same district that I played, and he was also an All-American JUCO player. Yeah, well. So uh, it was more like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, you know. <laughs> I said, and the school had just uh, built a new gymnasium, so no one had ever played in there. So my, my focus was just to give me an opportunity to set some records in this school and do some things that never have been done. So we both agreed to go there. And as soon as I agreed to leave Baltimore and do something with my life, I call it, you know, growing up from a boy to a man mm. and uh i started putting time in work and studying and and you know getting up and eating and training hard and and doing all the right things and bam i get a letter in the mail mr leroy loggins there's an opportunity to go to australia if you would like it and wow. i said well I know a lot of people in my community, especially basketball players that are still there mm. and talk about how good they were, but really made nothing of themselves. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. my first year in Fairmont, I got a chance to come to Australia. And uh, I loved it. I, I, I didn't know Australia existed, man. <laughs> and I, the only thing I knew about uh, Australia, and I found this out when I got here, was Olivia Newton-John was Australian. I thought she was American. <laughs> And, you know, I'm a young man. You know, I had a little crush on her. I ain't going to lie. You know, I had a little crush going. But uh, I, I was just hoping maybe one day, because uh, I, when I came here, I lived on the Gold Coast for two months. I thought maybe, just maybe, I'm kicking the sand down there one day and I might just, just bump, bump into, into her. <laughs> <laughs> but that never happened. Have you ever met her? No. No? No. no. I'd probably faint if I ever met her. <laughs> I probably turned blue in the face, but you wouldn't know it. How funny! Yeah. So, I mean, coming to coming to Australia and then thinking about growing up in Baltimore mm. and not really even knowing Australia existed. What was, no, the, what was the first no. impressions when you got here? 
Oh, I love this place, man, because we flew into Sydney yep. and stayed in, which was then the Wentworth Hotel. Okay. Yep. Which, you know, was basically the first time I ever, ever had a room to myself. <laughs> so, of course, I had a little party going on there, you know. <laughs> and uh, I had flown like 10,000 miles. And I, I borrowed my dad's jacket because I didn't have a suit. I borrowed someone's suitcase. Mm. And my Aunt Rosie loaned me $20. Mm. So I get on this plane and we flying for a long time and it's getting really hot. I'm peeling off and I'm thinking, shoot, where the hell am I going? <laughs> you know, I hope I'm not going to that place. Yeah. You know, hell, yeah. I hope I'm not going to hell. <laughs> I know I've been a naughty boy. <laughs> so anyway, we, I flew like 36 miles, uh, you know, 36 hours mm. and I finally get to to this this hotel and I'm starving man and uh, ring up uh, I ring up the concierge and they say oh you can go down on the fifth floor somewhere and there's a beautiful you know that he didn't say beautiful he said you can get something to eat yeah. <laughs> so I get on uh, you know I put put my my shorts on, my cut-off denim shorts, and I got my hat on backwards and <laughs> ding I get on the elevator you know the elevator doors open when we get to the floor and all these people are dressed very nicely. I'm so embarrassed. I hurry up and shut the elevator door, <laughs> get back up to my room and I had to do is do some math. You know, I got $20 and I'm here for two months. What, how am I make this last? So I ordered a hot chocolate and a croissant and I still had $10 left, but I'm, 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 I'm in this room, man. I've never been anywhere like out of the country before. All of a sudden, I hear this, and I go, okay. I already got everything chained up in the room, you yeah. know. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, maybe they might try to, you know, uh, house, you know, room, bust my room in and rob me or something. Yeah. This is my mentality <laughs> coming where from where I come from. Yeah. You know, in the hood, man, they got like 50 locks on the door, <laughs> man, you know. And uh, I'm like, okay. So I'm bracing myself up against the door, and, uh, you know, it's like room service, and... I, I opened the door, but I still had to chain on oh, yeah, just yeah. in case. Just in case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you're not room service. <laughs> and uh, so I look out there, and it's him, and he comes in, and he puts the tray on the table. And then he stands by the tray, and I'm like, what the hell? And the light bulb went on in my head. He wants a tip. And I said, oh, mate. I said, look. I said, I got a tip for you. You can have a sip of the hot chocolate or a bite off the croissant. <laughs> But you're not getting this $10, brother. I'm here for another two months. And I don't think he was a happy camper when he left, man. Oh, so. man. That's pretty amazing because in Australia, we're not known for tipping Yeah, at all. yeah, yeah. But, but I in think, some hotels, he you Yeah, he it, probably yeah. said, oh, he's a well-off yank. He, you know, yeah, he's pretty right. wealthy staying in the Wentworth Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know I cleaned that hotel out when I left. I took everything that wasn't nailed down. <laughs> I took the towels. Uh, so the you're bed. the reason why there's signs in the hotel room Yeah, that's room right. I created that, <laughs> that, that relaxing mood when you first check in, you know. They used to have my picture there with a smile. <laughs> so, you know, I came over here and I played in the American-Australian uh, basketball yeah. league that was, was uh, temporary. We had 12 guys that, uh, you know, that were elected from, Australia, uh, from America from the small small schools, uh, the NAIA mm. schools. And uh, we all met in L.A. Never met, be- I'd never met these guys mm. before in my life. And we get to uh, Sydney, and then we come to Brisbane, where we were based for two months. Mm. So there's like six teams, and we go two each. So the talk 
of the the, the, the whole time we're here is who's going to get to the Gold Coast <laughs> for two months, you know. And, uh, luckily for me, I read my horoscope and it says something good's going to happen today. <laughs> and the first name out of the hat to go to the Cold Coast, Leroy Loggins. I was like, yes, yes, it may have been rigged. It may have not been rigged because <laughs> these people had an opportunity to watch us practice. Right, okay. You know, for about two weeks and before they made it. There's a bit decision. of wheeling and dealing behind the scenes, maybe. Yeah, so to, I go down yeah. the Gold Coast, man, and I'm like, geez, this is a life. You know, you, you got girls topless sunbaking. <laughs> I can see the water, the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. You know, the weather's, you know, it's beautiful every day. And that was my lifestyle. We trained once a week, and, you know, I partied <laughs> the other six. But anyway, <laughs> had to stay in shape. Who was part of that first group that came out to Australia? Uh, we had a guy by the name of Tim Glass, Mike Epps, uh, Ronnie and Donnie Kramer. They were oh, seven yeah, yeah. feet, identical twins. Uh Lindsey Houston, Dave Nelson, who yeah, also ended okay. up playing in the NBL. And, uh, yeah, that was, that's the ones that I can remember. And, and you're the one that stuck around the longest. Yeah, 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 because I'm probably the one that was in the worst situation, you know. You knew what, you knew what was I, up for I grass, knew as soon yeah. as I landed here I wanted to stay, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, that was my choice because also, see, I, I did some 101 psychology on myself. I said, Baltimore begins with a B. Brisbane begins with a B. <laughs> Maryland is known for seafood. Queensland's known okay, for seafood. Yeah. <laughs> the NBA has a team called the Washington Bullets. I play for, for the, the Bullets, Brisbane Bullets. So, you know, these are all the things that I put in my head because I was away from my family. Yeah. And I miss my family, my mom yeah. and my dad and them. So I, tr- I work really hard just to make them proud, to be a proud, proud yeah. parents of their son, and that's what was my driving force. That would have been hard to begin with, just being in like this completely foreign land, so yes. far away from home and everything that you know. I mean, yes. you must have been so homesick to begin with when you first... Well, not really, because no? I, I kind of was uh, setting myself up for this, because yeah. I left Baltimore and moved to West Virginia, so yeah. I had already left Leary home. Moved, yeah. But I could always go back and... I got to admit one thing. Some weeks when I went home, I stayed a little bit longer than I should have. <laughs> and they'd be calling up looking for me. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it took me a while, but I, I, I learned and I grew up and, you know, I started making good decisions and uh, had a great, great career. And I ended up getting drafted by the Detroit Pistons. And, and was that uh, while you were here? No, that's when well, I went back and finished yeah, school. Okay. And yeah. then I got drafted. Yeah. And I went to, it was a four-day rookie camp, Mm -hmm. and I got cut on the fifth day. Right. And I thought, how does that work? Yeah. So I was a little bit disillusioned about the NBA, and I thought, since I had been here, and I learned a valuable lesson, my coach told me, he said, sometimes it's good to be a big fish in a small small pond pond instead of being a small pond in a big fish, which means... If I'd have made the NBA, how long would I last it? it. Yeah. And for me, I just wanted to have a, a career in basketball, but also I, I had the mindset that I would love to have a family. You know, that that's more rewarding to yeah. me than than any of these accolades yeah. or anything. You know, so that that was my my focus and my attitude. And uh, I remember I also got a 
USA Olympic tryout that year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, but unfortunately, I didn't have the self-esteem and confidence to go through with it, so I tore the invitation up and threw it oh. in the garbage. Yeah. Looking back, do you, do you sort of hate, hate the fact that you made that decision no, at the time? No, or you, or you not just, at all. You get it. You get not why at you all. did it. Not at all. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because no one went to the Olympics from America because they boycotted, boycotted Russia in 1980. Oh, that, yeah. yeah, so, chick-ching, no <laughs> one goes. I don't go, no one goes. <laughs> That's just the way it rolls. It's just the way it is, yeah. But, you know, my life has basically been a boomerang. I try to throw yep. it away, but it keeps coming back <laughs> to me. And it came back to me in 92 of the Barcelona the Olympics with the boomers. Yeah. So, you know... And that's just the way life rolls, man. I was also in a relationship in America and almost lost my life. Right. So I left that place and I come here and I meet my, my, my wife. Mm. You know, I scored 40, 47, I believe, at the, uh, it used to be the Kmart Classic that was in oh, Sydney yeah. at yeah. Homebush. Yeah. And I played a game before the Kings play. So everyone's coming to represent the Kings and a good friend of mine, Vince Kelly, comes to me and says uh hey lee man check this honey out in row seven i went <laughs> my eyes like oh, popped out of my head and i went man i gotta meet this chick man so she was actually talking to some friends that i knew yeah. and i went over there and i you know had to pull my el suave card out yeah what, you know? what was the pickup line the pickup line was <laughs> do you have a a boyfriend and oh, she yeah, said yeah. no and i said do you have a number she said yes and I said, do you want to go out to lunch tomorrow? And she said, yes, but there's one problem. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I went, oh, I know this beautiful vegetarian restaurant. I had no, no, yeah, idea. no idea. I had no idea. You're scrambling idea. after that. <laughs> yeah, and we, we went and had lunch the next day, and we've been together for 29 years. Wow. Yeah, so. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just changed my life, man. I, I never thought, I never dreamed, you know, and. I'm very fortunate to have my wife, you know, and... Keeps you grounded. And, yeah, it yeah. keeps me grounded, and, you know, if I try to get out of line, she puts, brings me back, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember when I used to p go on the road, she'd have, like, a little snack pack for me with yep. gum and a banana sandwich, you know. <laughs> and when we, some days we'd be delayed at the airport or mm. getting in the hotel and... Lee's pulling out his little snack pack in the Gaza <laughs> store, and I'm like, yep, Lee's prepared. That's it, that's yep. it. All right, so on, on the topic of um, you being married for 29 years, so in two weeks, I'll hit one year of being married. Yes. So for, from somebody that's been in the marriage game for, for almost 30 years, what, what's the biggest piece of advice that you'd have for me or anybody that's only just dipping their foot into it for the first I'll time? I'll just say, be honest. Yeah. That's the, the best thing you can do. Just be honest and be true to yourself. Yeah. You know, if you do that and, and not try to be, you know, be dominant, you know, because mm. I'm the male, I beat my chest, you yeah. do what I tell you. Yeah. You know, if you go in on equal terms, you go a long way, man. Yeah. Don't expect her to wash your clothes and be barefooted <laughs> and pregnant in the kitchen at the same time. Yeah. You know, so, because in my house, I do all the cooking. Yeah, right. Yeah, all the cooking. I, I, the I tell my wife if I ever hit the lottery, I'm gonna take her someplace she's never been in the kitchen. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I, I just love cooking, man. Mm. It's great for my soul. Yeah. And and back to the the similarities of Maryland and in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. 
My journey took me from Baltimore to Brisbane to Barcelona. Oh, there so, you go. The, the three Bs. <laughs> yeah, so. What was it like playing in Barcelona for that, for that whole Olympics period? It was, it was great, but I think I should have played more. Yeah. You know, I pl- we, we went overseas to get climatized mm. probably a few months before, and we didn't have Andrew Gates and Luke Longley. Mm. And I was performing very well. You know, uh, we played in some big tournaments over there, and I made all tournament teams. I was MVP of a big tournament in Holland where teams from all around the world come and play. Mm -hmm. So I was getting some really good good, uh, experience. But at the Olympics, I thought I didn't get much time. Yeah. You know. But but then they offered me to come back in 96. Okay, yeah. But because of the man that I am, <clears throat> I made a promise to my wife that I would never do that international thing again. Right. Now, if I had to go back and do anything in life again, you'd probably make a different decision. I would have gone to Atlanta in 96, but I wasn't thinking. Yeah. Because she didn't go in 92. Mm. Instead, we had a pool built in our house. Yeah. Because I said, okay, yeah. honey, you won't be at the Olympics. I'll, 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 you can swim while I'm away, <laughs> you know. That might just ease the pain. Yeah, yeah. And then when was, my son was born mm. in 94. Uh, 94 so yep. you know I told her I would commit anymore and yeah it still haunt me yeah but I mean geez Barcelona is like one of those especially from a basketball point of view it's something that everyone talks about and having the opportunity to play against like the world's best players from all over the globe yeah that was cool. and that was the first original dream team yeah and then they played them again in 96 mm. and you know I thought Damn, that would have been my great opportunity yeah. but Hey, sometimes things happen in life for a reason, you know, and I don't have any shame at all, you know. Everything that happened to me in my life is a learned lesson. Yeah. So, I mean, just what you've done over the years is pretty incredible in itself, and a lot of people would never never even touch the surface of, of some of the experiences that you've had. So, yeah, there might be some decisions that you sort of look back and go, oh, far out. I wish I, I, wish I made a... A better decision. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. But unfortunately for me, a lot of those decisions was because of the environment that I was in. Mm. You know, you as soon as you walk out that door, it's on, man. You yeah. know, we've had, you know, people that would urinate against your door in the hallway. Mm. You know, hang in the hall all night, singing and drinking, mm. and you know, it's just one of those things, man. But thank goodness I had my basketball, man, because. You know, and a lot of kids I talk to these days, too, especially some of these indigenous kids, they love sniffing chemicals, yeah, yeah. which I used to have a habit of doing when I was growing up as well. We used to sniff paint thinner called yeah. quickies. Yeah. So you could buy a big half a gallon tin for like $3.50. we save our money up yeah. and stash it in the bushes and have our rags and our bags. And when we get out of school and sometimes before school when I was in high school, yeah. That's probably why I couldn't make my high school basketball yeah, team. Yeah. I would get there before anyone and have a sniff and throw my bag out the window, see where it lands. At lunchtime, I'll go get my bag. They go get their lunch bag, I'll go get my high bag, man. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was just one of those journeys, man, that I'm better for it now. Yeah. You know? You've been through it. I've been through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible, Thank- though. Like, yeah. Um, so many people don't make it out, and... They never get past that point. No, that's right. Yeah. A lot of my friends are still there, man. I wish I could bring them all over here, yeah. but unfortunately, I, 
I've given some opportunity, but they didn't take it. Yeah. You know, I tried to get my brother to come here and set up a, a fencing business, but he wasn't ready. Yeah. So, like they always say, mm. you can lead a horse to water. <laughs> can <I get> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get a little bit silly, man. But, but I think it's, um, I mean, it probably gives you peace of mind knowing that you're able to at least give them the opportunity, and then it's up to them. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't take it, but now I give young people vision and, and hope and, and, and some tools that maybe they can do something great with their lives. Yeah. You know, I had one of my students become a lawyer. One joined the Air Force. He was accepted in, in uh, Canberra to the wow. Air Force. And I get students that go to uni, you know, they do a lot of the great things, yep. you know. And some end up pregnant and yep. unemployed and, you know, so the cycle's not broke. But, you know, at least we, we're trying to fix it. Trying to get a few out and then try exactly. to Exactly. Yeah. And once we get that few out, we tell them. You come back and you take somebody out. Yeah, you know. So keep keep that that link going. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's uh, yeah. It's another world. It's just um, yeah. It's yeah. but you know it's 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 great when you see the smiles on the kids' faces and you know because we're not in school for six to eight weeks we're there the whole year. I can't make a, a difference in a kid's life in six to eight weeks. Yeah. So I'm in some of those kids' lives. I'm the only stable thing in their life is they know Leroy's coming to school every week and uh, he's going to support me in numeracy and literacy we're going to have some fun and if I'm lucky he may just teach me something about basketball <laughs> yeah but it's, it's 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 simple isn't it like but it's someone just always being there yeah I think that's, once they hard. know that you care yeah you know I, I was told once that all you need is one person to believe in and believe in you yeah and for me it was my aunt Lorena you know, we'd be sitting around and we'd be talking about, oh, that boy's going to be something when he grows up. He's going to be a professional <laughs> basketball player. And, and none of y'all going to come. You're going to be in the nosebleed section. I'll be up the front. <laughs> and, you know, that was the one person that was really giving me the push, you know, because yeah. my mom and them were like, uh, the only way this kid's going to get from primary school to high school is the school's going to burn down and they're going to lose all this records and so they're gonna have to pass it yeah well yeah so i didn't have much uh what can i say they didn't have a lot of confidence in me when i was growing up yeah yeah but but at least you had that one person yeah i had that one person yeah that's right and that was enough just to keep you that was enough to keep me going because lo and behold when i was a kid i always wanted to be a comedian really i really (laughs) wanted to be a comedian because we had shows like the Carol Burnett show, oh, yeah, yeah. Red Skeleton, yes, yeah. you know, and I used to do skits for my family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I used to do these little stupid skits, man. And Wow. Yeah, I really wanted to be a comedian. You could still be a comedian now. I try. I have my little <laughs> giggles and, you know, my wife doesn't really like it when I go to parties and start telling jokes. You're not going to start telling jokes again tonight, <laughs> are you? You're... you're your jokes and I'm like well they start first and you know and have they have your jokes got worse over the years since becoming a parent as well you know the 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 dad no the dad no, jokes? no because because the jokes that I use are oldies but goodies okay the classics I, I was down the Gold Coast once and I saw this joke book 
and it was like half price or something. Oh, yeah. and I thought, should I get it? Nah. So I put, it was the last book, and I yeah. put it back. So and then I happened to be down there at the same place again. It was still, still there. there. Oh, that I was said, the sign. I gotta get you it. Gotta get so it. I, I do a bit of research <laughs> before I go out there and I tell my jokes. <laughs> That's, that's your go-to. That's my go-to that's your joke. secret weapon. Yeah, yeah, it's right beside my bed, you know. I'm like, okay, where am I going today? This is appropriate. This is appropriate. Inappropriate? No. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. yeah. There's a time and a place for everything. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. So what's, uh, what's the next few months hold for you as far as have you got more community work that you got? Uh, no, I'll, I'll just focus on my, my community organization. I'll yep. just put my head back down and get back into the schools. Uh, we got a conference coming up, a well-being knowledge uh, indigenous conference where they have a lot of the community elders from all over Brisbane. And oh, right, okay. They bring elders in from all over the world. People come and talk about, you know, their experiences, you know, b- through being native. And, and it's, a, it's a huge uh, conference, man. Uh, it, it inspires me when I go there mm. and, and hear some of the stories and, and some of the... Uh, experiences that these people have had through their lives and i just walk away so empowered man yeah you know that's cool so that that's my next next thing on my list uh i'm not sure after that i can't even think that far man i was gonna say <laughs> like you've literally just got off a plane yesterday yes. and you're gonna be uh scooting off down the coast uh, yes. as well shortly yeah. so um r.i.p yeah, to sir reginald yeah biddings school at that 63 and uh in 40 minutes and I think that was he filed out with like five minutes still on the clock. So Al, him and Al Green used to yeah. debate all the time because Al scored 71 in, in four quarters and 48 minutes. So them two would always debate on who was <laughs> whose feet was the best. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. So I'm going to rub it in Al when I, I'm going to deliver a eulogy to the, tomorrow. What's today? Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, I lose track no, of No, no, same. Time. I had to think about that. And I'm going to... Yeah. Rub it in for rub it into Al for for Reg. Just get that last yeah, jab. Yeah, get in. that last jab. In. <laughs> yes. Um, before we wrap it up, because I'm conscious of the time, um, what's the one thing? And I know you've been living in Australia for for decades now, but mm. what's the one thing that you still don't understand when it comes to Australian culture? Is there something that just puzzles you still? You don't understand why Australians do something, or they like something in particular? Mm. I can't understand for the life of me why they have. And it's not all Australians, but why they have this negative attitude toward the indigenous people here. Hmm. And it's their land. Yeah. It's their land, but it's the same all over the world. It's the same in America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, we have people like that in this world. But I, I think maybe if they could get a better understanding of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people they would have a different perception of these people but unfortunately we have racist people all over the world yeah, that's so. it. yeah absolutely yeah and i think it's i think it's another thing where we we're saying before most of the population lives on the coast yeah and everyone's got pretty good living standards yes and yes. no one really ventures inland or no yes. one goes into rural areas where this is yes. where most of the indigenous population is yeah um, and anything that we're exposed to is the one the the indigenous population that do live in the city areas who mm. probably are disadvantaged. Yes. And so that's the view that they have of, of these people, but they don't understand the yes. culture. They don't understand that's the background. Right. And, and they yeah. don't understand these people have been hurt. Yeah, you know? absolutely. They're hurting. That's yeah. what's the problem. They're hurting, yeah. and they had to adapt from from living out 
and off the land to like you know going into Coles or Woolies or IGA and you know well at least up the remote areas they sell kangaroo tail in the stores yeah, you know true. so have you had that have you tried I'm working it? on it you, I'm working yeah. on it yeah <laughs> uh, I, I would try it if I had an opportunity yeah you know yeah. so I've had kangaroo mm. uh, someone told me they had camel I saw some wild camels when I was out there yeah, so yeah. I was loving it, man. I was looking for, like, the kangaroos or emus, yeah. which I have seen in a while before. Yeah. So for me, it, it it makes me appreciate life a little bit Absolutely. more. You know, it makes me, it recharges my batteries. It, it, it makes me love my family even more because I haven't seen them for a week. It makes me go into schools and work harder because I know what these kids are capable of. And... You know, just life in general, man, just makes me want to keep on going. That's cool, man. Yes. I think that's a great way to end it off. But um, thanks, Leroy. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Max. I appreciate it. And, you know, hello to anybody that's out there listening. I'm still kicking. <laughs> that's it. Oh, thanks, Thank man. You. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. If you want to reach out to Leroy or learn anything about uh, what he's up to through his foundation, I'm going to have website links and everything that we spoke about over in the show notes over at andysocial.net, so make sure you check that out. I must say, uh, putting everything together for this episode, I was really bummed out with the lack of video footage that's on the internet. So the NBL these days is doing great things and the league is doing is it's, it's stronger than it has been in a long time. And... Um, I must say that growing up in the 90s uh, and seeing the NBL, and especially when the NBA had such a massive influence in Australia, um, the NBL was really in its golden era. Um, probably the late 80s into the mid-90s was really sort of a, stra- a really strong period for the NBL. And there is nothing, there is hardly anything online. So I don't know what the hell's happened with licensing and, and whatnot with old footage, but um, there's virtually nothing online and it's a real shame. So if anybody listening is associated with the NBL, I don't know what's going on, guys, but you need to pull your finger out or try and throw some money on the table and get that footage because it needs to go up online. People need to relive it. That nostalgic period, which brought so many people together in the 90s, um, there's a massive opportunity to get those people back on board and coming out to games again now. So I don't know who's going to be involved in that, but um, if anyone ever happens to listen to this episode and uh, it's still pending, please get onto that because we're aching to see some of this old footage and um, even photos. There's just virtually nothing. There's a couple of highlight pictures and I've grabbed some stuff online that's been thrown into the show notes um, over on my website. But um, yeah, guys, hopefully something happens soon. So thank you very much again to everybody listening. Thank you to Leroy as well for giving his time and please reach out to him via his website and let him know what you thought of the episode. And especially if you've got any uh, opportunities for Leroy, Um, with regards to his foundation and his community work, I know that he's really pushing hard to connect with more and more people and hopefully inspire and motivate uh, some of our, as mentioned at the beginning of the episode, more disadvantaged people in our community. So he's doing great things. So anybody that can be a part of that, I'm sure he would appreciate it greatly. So before wrapping it up, as always, if you want to support the podcast, get over to andysocial.net. There's a bunch of stuff on there. Share things uh, on social media. You know the drill, all that sort of stuff. Share it around, tag, like, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's an Amazon portal link over on my website. So if you do shop on Amazon regularly, do yourself a favor or do me a favor, actually. It's not you, really. But click on that link. Go through to that uh, go through that portal link. Shop as per normal, but then I get a little bit of a commission based off whatever you decide to purchase on there. I don't see what you purchase, just heads up. And I don't know who's actually using it. 
I just see the dollars coming through. So anyone that decides to do that, thank you very much. And it does help cover some of the little costs that are incurred with this podcast. Also, I have a PayPal button. So if you ever feel uh, compelled to do something and help me out and get a little warm and fuzzy feeling, throw me 50 cents, throw me a dollar, whatever you want. Um, it goes a long way and really helps to uh, fuel this podcast. And um, this is not about making money. It's just about uh, covering some of the costs. And um, if you guys enjoy it, then um, that's always appreciated. But, you know, if you're still listening to me talk now, that means the most. So thank you so much as always. And if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, as I always say, please go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. I hope you really enjoy it. Um, Enjoy them. And yes, enough from me. Until next week, guys, all the best. Bye-bye. You're ready, you're ready.